Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker. You can call me DW. And this is a special podcast looking at the uh, recent NFL Combine with our college players that are coming out, the evaluations of their physical performances, how they performed, uh, players linked to the Falcons. So I thought. In today's podcast, it would be wise to bring in two of our experts on the matter, two guys that have been doing mock drafts over at thefalcoholic.com who have been paying attention to the entire draft process, these young players that could reshape the future of this Atlanta franchise. And today we're going to do this in a two-parter. Eric Robinson will join us in the second half of the podcast, but for the first half of the podcast, I am pleased to be joined by my friend and the host of The Falcoholic Live. You can find him weekly on YouTube, uh, Falcoholic Live, and that is, of course, Kevin Knight. Kevin, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So let's jump right into it. I think, uh, you know, obviously the Falcons have lots of needs. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's an understatement, Um, but none is arguably bigger than defensive line. I think most people at this point agree that the, there's a lot of gaps on the defensive front. Uh, so we're going to start you know, there in, in what uh, we, you saw at the Combine, some of the players maybe that, that stood out. Uh, so let's, let's just start you know, in the trenches with the, on the defensive side of the ball. So who are some of the guys that stood out, maybe a defensive tackle, defensive end, a pass rusher, um, that stood out either for, for better or for worse that uh, you think could be on the radar for the Falcons? Yeah, so it was interesting because a lot of the the big name guys, you know, your your Caleb on Chasons, your Chase Youngs, your Javon Kinlaws, all those, most of them did not actually take part <laughs> in the workouts. So um, we didn't get like extra time on them, but at the same time, you basically know what you're getting from those guys. You don't necessarily need to see the athletic right. testing to know that those guys are really good football players. So um, for me, on the defensive line, it was actually kind of a little bit of a disappointing combine overall, and in part mm. because the <laughs> the top guys didn't really participate. So I think that was a letdown for some people that were really closely watching. But um, there were definitely some guys that that kind of stood out. I mean, the one that I think a lot of people will be talking about um, as a as someone who didn't perform like they expected was actually Derek Brown from Auburn. Um, who's probably, you know, going to be a top 10 pick when it's all said and done. He ran really? uh, an eight, two, two, three cone, which is I think the third or fourth slowest three cone ever for a defensive tackle. Oh, wow. um, but at the same time, I would also say, you know, that's probably something you can kind of disregard um, because Derek Brown is not a bad athlete. Uh, and I think the consensus is that maybe he just doesn't, didn't really care to train for that test which I don't know why you would do the drill if you didn't train for it but you know who knows but uh, that was one that was a little bit surprising Um, 
one guy that, that stood out that kind of uh, was a lot more athletic than I think some of us anticipated was uh, Florida edge rusher Jabari Zaniga. Um, he did a fantastic job with his testing. Um, and he was a guy that was probably kind of a late day two, third roundish player. He may have very well elevated himself into that day two range um, because he had a 4.64 yard dash, which is 93rd percentile. Wow. Uh, 127-inch broad jump, which is 97th percentile. Um, so, I mean, that those are explosive numbers for, for an edge rusher. Um, and he's a big guy, too. So, uh, it, you know, he's, he's a guy who definitely made himself some money standing out on that in that day, too. And I know um, a lot of Falcons fans are really interested in Zach Bond. Um, he had a, a good day as well. Um, he's kind of a linebacker edge hybrid, and that's another guy. Uh, who obviously really acquitted himself well in the testing. Yeah, so you mentioned a few names. The one name I didn't hear, which I think uh, from what I saw, some of the uh, numbers, at least in the 40 time, was disappointing. And it's a it's a name that Falcons fans are arguably very, very used to at this point uh, from a mock draft standpoint. That's A.J. Epinesa out of uh, mm-hmm. Iowa. He has been mocked to the Falcons I would say of of the mock drafts I've been keeping track of, at least 60%, maybe even more uh, of of those uh, mock drafts. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think his 40 time, at least his initial one, was over five seconds, which I think a lot of people were – uh, you know, surprised by. What's your take on that? Do you think that is uh, a concerning stat for someone that could be the pick for the Falcons, or do you feel like that is not a, as big of a surprise given, you know, maybe the nature of his uh, his build, his his play style? Uh, what's your take on Epinesa? Yeah, so it's like it's kind of hard to see, you know, how weak that 40 is in the context of, like, edge rushers because Mock Draftable hasn't quite, like, sorted – them out by that yet so he's being lumped in between the defensive tackles and the edge guys um but it's it's a slow time um but again 40 the 40 for edge rushers is probably like one of the least important tests um because your edge guy is not going to be running down field four yards unless something drastic has happened um (laughs) you know Vic Beasley running running back a pick six that's like one of the only scenarios you know maybe you'll see that but um it's important to keep in mind that like Epines is very large for a defensive end. Um, you know, he's 275 pounds, six, five, uh, huge arms. Um, you know, he's a bigger guy. So he, and he's never been a guy that was necessarily going to blow you away with his like athletic ability. He wins with his strength, with his technique. Um, and he's, he is bendy. He's not like super bendy, but he's bendy enough to, to get it done. But mm-hmm. um, his 40 was, was pretty bad. Um, and a lot of people freaked out about his 17 reps on the bench, but um, he has really, really long arms, over 34-inch arms. Um, when you have really long arms, it's very difficult to do that many bench press reps. But if you watch his tape, you should have absolutely zero concerns about his strength. Um, but his jumps were fine. They were, you know, above 60th percentile. So his explosiveness is there. Um, it's just like Epinesa, you have to kind of know what you're getting. And you're getting more of like an AJ Claiborne, or, or excuse me, an Adrian Claiborne uh, or a Michael Bennett type player who's kind of going to be an inside-outside rusher. You're going to have to deploy him in different ways. Um, but his floor is really high. You know, he's not going to be that Vic Beasley, Caleb on chase on style, like Vaughn Miller, 15-plus sacks potential player. But I think he's a guy that can get you 8-10 to 10 in his rookie season and continue to do that throughout his career. And for the Falcons, that's probably – <laughs> that's better than what they have right now <laughs> period so it didn't it didn't really surprise me that much that he didn't test like amazingly but um 
it's made a lot of people more wary to draft him in the first round. So, um, I mean, there's, there's a chance that he could be off the Falcons board because of Quinn's obsession with athletes. Uh, right. But I think that would be foolish to take him off altogether. Yeah. And maybe the, he and Dimitrov have learned a little bit that uh, sometimes production does matter. Uh, and, you know, as you mentioned, um, Epinesa has certainly delivered in, at the college ranks. And uh, I, I think a lot of the combine is – it's more pomp and circumstance than anything. It's, uh, you know, you know who the good guys are from, a, uh, who, who are going to go in the top 10, top 15. I feel like for the combine, there are a lot of guys who are on the bubble or who uh, you view as projects, but you want to know if they're a project that has a lot of upside. And it, it seems like the combine is, is really designed to give those guys more of an opportunity unless so to knock down guys that you already sort of have a, a ton of tape on that, you know what their production is. So um, it, at least for these guys, I, I feel like if the Falcons land with AJ, if they land with chase on they're they're making a good pick overall, yeah. uh, regardless of what the 40 time may say. Yeah. Yeah. You use, you use this athletic testing to kind of confirm what you've seen on tape. And like, I didn't see Epinesa says this like crazy athlete on tape. So I wasn't like shocked that he didn't test well. Um, but he has, he has very good tape. Um, so, I mean, it's, it is what it is. Like a, a lot of people have concerns because players of his build typically struggle uh, on the edge. I mean, there's really only a couple of examples of that kind of archetype really being a very successful player in the NFL, you know, you're talking like Michael Bennett, Trey Flowers are the two most recent guys. Right. Um, but I mean, based on his tape and what we know about his work ethic and everything about him, I mean, there, he could be easily the third, you know, example of that archetype, but it, it's a, it's, I don't, I don't really view him as any more of a risk than like going after Caleb on chase on who has like less than 10 sacks in his entire college career. Uh, so <laughs> right. you know, you're basically saying, am I comfortable with having a guy that's going to get eight to 10 every year, but maybe that's, that's his ceiling and also is going to be a tremendous run defender. Um, or, you know, am I comfortable taking a swing at a guy like chase on who could, could very well turn into the next Von Miller, or he could be the next Vic Beasley. So Ooh, I, yeah. I hate that comparison because I think chase on's a lot better than Beasley was coming out. He doesn't right. have the production that Beasley did, but um you know, th- th- it's a risky pick. It's a risky pick. So. Yeah. And, and he did, I, I think it's, Fair to, to remind our listeners too. Uh, Chase on, I think, didn't he have a torn ACL going into? Yeah, he missed almost an entire season with that, yeah. uh, so, and wasn't a starter the other year. So uh, it's he's had this one year. It was, I mean, on the tape he looked really good. The, the production wasn't always there because uh, LSU had him playing the run first. <laughs> interestingly, huh. um, because it's the SEC, teams like to run the football. But um, I mean, I. Based on his tape, I, I don't really have any huge concerns about him. But, you know, drafting a player that high, like in the top 20, with that little production, it's it's something that is very rarely translated to success. So that, that's another, you know, thing that a lot of analysts will point to is that, well, you're taking a big risk. But it seems like if the Falcons are going edge and, you know, Chase Young doesn't happen to fall to 16, that it's going to be a big <laughs> risk. Um, so we, we've talked a lot about the first round, and I think – Obviously, that's where most fans are going to be concentrated. It's where the biggest sort of moves, the flashy moves, the big trades happen. But arguably, the best teams hit their home runs in the second, third, fourth, fifth round. 
so who are some of the guys that, you know, offensive or defensive that you think uh, could be prime targets for the Falcons uh, in, let's just start with day two. And in the second round, we've got two second round picks. We've got a third round pick. Uh, of those three picks, how would you like to see them spent? So what are some names that maybe are on your radar right now? So to me, I mean, I think my priorities would be getting a defensive tackle. Um, get, and this is not in any particular order, but like getting a defensive tackle, getting uh, a center, um, because I don't know how long Alex Mack is going to be here after this season, um, getting a corner, and then getting a running back. Those are the, the positions that I'm kind of honing in on. On day two, you know, a lot of people have thrown linebacker in there too. I think that's a reasonable thing as well. But the Falcons right now have three picks on day two. So they can't address everything unless there's some sort of trade down. But um, to me, like a guy um, like Justin Matabuke from um, Mississippi State, I forget the college, but he's a really good defensive tackle. I like him a lot. Um, he could be a really good running mate for Grady Jarrett, a talented athlete, good pass rusher, strong run defender. Um, he's someone that I like a lot. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, uh, the third from LSU. Um, he's been my favorite offensive uh, line prospect for the Falcons since like early in the season. Um, and his like stock has really escalated. Like it used to be that he was a fourth round pick. Now he's, you know, a fringe first rounder, probably a second or, you know, second rounder at this point. But oh, wow. um, he's a, a great athlete. He's been a, a, he has a lot of experience at center. He can play guard. He's great size. He, he fits that mold that the Falcons have kind of gone towards now with these bigger athletic guards um, and centers, I guess. But uh, I, I think he's a guy that could really be a versatile piece um, and has a lot of upside at center. So he's a guy that I like to add. Uh, on day two, particularly with that second second round pick. Um, at running back, it's really like who falls because there's so many good running backs. It just depends on who's available at what pick. Um, the sweet spot seems to be that second second round pick uh, yeah. in, that, in the 50s um, to get one of these guys that, that falls. You know, it, and it's really depending on, on what other teams do. So obviously Jonathan Taylor was the big standout at the Combine because he is a – truly special athlete for a player of his size. I mean, he ran in the four threes at like two thirty. I mean, that's crazy. Um, he has some fumbling issues, but it's just like, if you want the best athlete, it's Jonathan Taylor. If you want the guy with the best vision, it's probably JK Dobbins. If you want the best all around back, it's probably Deandre Swift. Um, you know, Cl- Clyde Edwards Hilaire from LSU has kind of gotten into the mix as well. There's so many guys. It's just, you know, who's there and is it, it could be a very good value at that point in the draft yeah. um, if one of these guys falls. So that's an option too. Um, and then cornerback is, is the same situation. There's so many good um, kind of fringe first round corners that are going to be around on day two. Um, you know, Bryce Hall from Virginia is a guy I like a lot. Um, his medicals are going to be kind of a bit of a question, but if you're comfortable with his medicals, he's tailor made for Dan Quinn's system. He's big and long and he's super smart and physical. Um, not a tremendous athlete, but again, not a bad one. So he could definitely survive in cover three. You know, he, he's kind of like in that Richard Sherman mold of he just kind of gets it done with his physicality and size, and, you know, he doesn't let the play get past him too often. Yeah. Um, but there's a ton of guys on day two that, that could be available. So it, um, all these things can't get addressed, obviously, with our three <laughs> day two picks, um, which is why free agency is necessary. Uh, but that's, that's where I'm focusing most of my attention. 
So, but it does seem like from what you're describing at minimum, there's going to be some good options in day two for the Falcons to address some needs. And obviously going into the draft with a lot of needs (laughs) (laughs) makes it easier to find decent players to fit those uh, slots, especially since uh, you and I are both anticipating several uh, cuts, several potential notable cuts, including, you know, as you were mentioning, running back, uh, I would think that's coming on the heels of a cut of Devontae Freeman, uh, yeah. which seems to be in the cards. So uh, any other you know, players maybe that you think uh, day three, and, and I don't want to nail you down for each round, so maybe just one or two players that you think have the potential to develop over time at a certain position that uh, you would really love to see the, the Falcons sort of go in on as a, as a developmental prospect? Yeah, I mean – I, I don't I'm not in the, the group that thinks safety is like this screaming need right now. Um, but it could be a screaming need next season. And I know Dan Quinn's obsessed with athletes, so that's why I think a guy like Jeremy Chin or a guy like Kyle Duggar, who are those two kind of uh those two small school safety linebacker hybrid prospects. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think the Falcons could absolutely be drafting one of those guys actually on even on late day two. Um if they happen to fall because those guys just scream Dan Quinn to me. Um, <laughs> so I would not be shocked at all uh, if they're going after those guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are some linebackers I definitely like on, on day three. Um, it used to be that I could get Jordan Brooks from Texas tech early on day three. That's not the case anymore, but he's, he's a really good linebacker. Um, Akeem Davis Gaither from Appalachian state. Um, he's a super impressive athlete. Um, they found a stress fracture in his foot actually at the combine that he just played through the whole season on. And I guess wasn't, didn't really know that much about it. So oh, he wow. had a test, but um, he's a guy that could potentially be had with that fourth round pick. Um, and there's just going to be a ton of wide receivers uh, that are going to fall because there's a million of them in this class. They're all so good. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't think it seems like they're letting Austin Hooper walk, which I think is very dumb. Um, but you're not going to replace his production with a tight end in this draft class. Like I, I, there's some like intriguing guys, but there's nobody um, that I would really think is, is going to be giving us meaningful production this year. Right. Um, so to me, I would say add a wide receiver and hope that they pan out into something a little bit more, um, probably a bigger bodied guy, like a big slot to kind of replicate what Sanu's done because yep. they don't really have a lot of size left in that group now. Um, guys like Michael Pittman Jr., um, Chase Claypool from Notre Dame had one of the craziest combines I've ever seen. Um, his, his spider graph on mock draftable is just a flat circle. Like it's, it's <laughs> incredible. Um, but he's probably play his combine probably elevated him out of that range, but he's a, he's a guy, um, you know, Tyler Johnson from Minnesota is another really good one. There's, there's so many. Um, so I think if you can, if you can afford to take a swing at one of these guys who falls in like round five, I think that pick will end up paying dividends because of the talent level that's going to fall in this draft. Yeah. It, it sounds like this is a good year and correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like this is a good year for some of those offensive skill positions in the middle rounds in, you know, round three, four, five to get some really good value as opposed to previous draft classes. I think that the round two through four range in this class is like one of the most stacked that we've seen in a long time. The strength of this class really is that kind of midsection. There's just a lot of guys. Like I think the difference in the player you're going to get at like 45 and like a hundred 
is not going to be huge. Like there's a, yeah. there's a lot of really talented players in that range that I think are going to help a lot of teams. It's just picking the right ones. <laughs> That's where we seem to have struggled. So. All right. Last question for you, Kevin, before we go to the second half, speak with Eric, get his opinions on some of these same questions. Uh, first round pick. If you were half, if you were going to make it right now for the Falcons, who is that player? I mean, it's Caleb Von Chason without a doubt. Um, I would be shocked if Caleb Von Chason is not the pick at this point because he screams Dan Quinn. He's a crazy <laughs> athlete. It look, I mean, he looks a lot like Vic Beasley in his style of play. He's a, he's a great speed rusher. They just let Vic Beasley walk out the door. They don't have a replacement for him. Um, he's likely to be there at 16. Um, it's Chason. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like that, which I think is strange, but it – it's going to be chase on unless something else happens. Um, so there you go. Uh, I, I personally like the pick. Uh, I would be content with Vanessa, but I, I feel like to your point, chase on feels very much like a, a Dan Quinn, Dimitrov athletic pick. Uh, and as you noted, and I just want to remind people, uh, even though he may have some similarities to Vic Beasley, he is not Vic. Each player is different. Uh, don't get hung up in these comparisons. They're essentially meaningless. Each of these guys has to live and die on his own merits. And I think uh, at least with what we're hearing, seeing from Chase on there, there seems to be a lot to like there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, Kevin, uh, thank you for joining us on the first half of this podcast. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you, what you've got going on? Yeah. So I, uh, on the Twitters at Falcoholic Kevin, uh, supporting the hashtag brand. Uh, you can also <laughs> follow my show, which is Falcoholic Live. It's our live YouTube show. That's at Falcoholic Live on Twitter and uh, on YouTube. If you search Fal- the Falcoholic, you'll find it. And that's Wednesday nights at eight ten p.m. Eastern. Um, and we're doing every other week right now in the off season. But during the season we do every single week and we do post game shows on Sundays or whatever day it is after the game. Those are a lot of fun. So check that out. And then I just had a couple free agent previews uh, coming this week. Um, So yeah, check that, check that out too. If you're craving the content. Cool. Kevin, thank you again. Uh, Listeners go follow him on Twitter and definitely check out uh, the Falcoholic live. I do occasionally show up on there uh, baseball cap in tow. So hopefully he'll have me back on in the near future. Uh, Kevin, thank you again. Uh, before we get to Eric Robinson or other writer at the Falcoholic, his takes on the NFL combine and some of the, uh, players in the draft class that he likes, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down, we break down who will be cutting, cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. 
Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is David Walker, DW. And as mentioned in the first half of the podcast, uh, thank you to Kevin for joining me for the first half. Uh, I am joined now by one of my favorite writers at The Falcoholic. I love this guy. Uh, he, is a, <laughs> he is a regular on The Falcoholic Live. Uh, he has been helping with the draft coverage uh, and uh, keeping up with all that's going on with the college players that will hopefully reshape the future of this franchise uh, this year and the next few years. Uh, I'm talking, of course, of Eric Robinson. Eric, thanks for doing this, man. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to have you back. Uh, let's dive into it. So, you know, I asked Kevin uh, a lot of these same questions in the first half of the podcast, and I want to get your take because I know both of you guys have done several mock drafts. You've been keeping up with uh, the draft process, the recent NFL Combine, and uh, let's just start with sort of the obvious Falcons need. You know, I think everyone universally agrees uh, the Falcons really need to focus on defensive line. They've, they've lost several players, uh, either to free agency um, or, you know, just flat out moving on from guys like Vic Beasley. And they're kind of thin in the defensive line. So I think a lot of people are expecting that first round pick to be either a defensive tackle or a pass rusher of some sort. Who are some of the first round prospects in the combine that maybe raised their draft stock that you think could be in that middle of the round range for the Falcons? Uh, who are some of the guys who maybe their draft stock uh, dropped some and, and some of the guys that you think are, you know, uh, make a good fit for the team? Well, you know, they're, they're sitting dead smack in the middle of the first round. So luckily for them, they're in a draft where um, – Quarterbacks are needed, offensive linemen are needed, and there's a couple of defensive prospects that are just, you know, out of this world and will probably be snatched up as well. So luckily for them in a year where they need a pass rusher, they'll probably have their pick at a pass rusher. Um, going back to the combine, uh, Clavion Chason out of LSU, in my opinion, um, improved his uh, his stock with the team, even though he didn't participate in the combine, simply because I thought the leader um, coming into the combine was AJ Epinesa, and he did not have a great combine right. to standards. Um, I didn't expect him to test well. Um, I had a I had a, a scouting report on Falcon that come out in early January on him, and I stated that you know when it came to test results from the combine, don't hold your breath. He's right. probably going to look mediocre at best in certain aspects. Now, I didn't expect him to run a great 40, but I also didn't expect Derek Brown to run a better 40 than him, Ooh. which was the case. Uh, Derek wow. Brown also ran a better 10-yard split than him. Keep in mind, Derek Brown outweighs him by 70 pounds. That's, Ooh. that's not good. That's, that's not good. The 40, okay, I can I – can, all right, whatever. I don't care about that. But the fact that he had a slow get-off in the 10-yard range – when it comes to a pass rusher, when it comes to a pure pass rusher, yeah, that's, that's not a critical good. number. That's, yeah. that's a critical number. That's not good news. And you're talking about a guy like Derek Brown, who's a nose tackle, who had a better get off on the snap. Hmm. Um, and that concerned me. His three cone time concerned me when it comes to him rounding that edge, keeping his balance and maintaining his momentum when it comes to chasing quarterbacks. 
he was very average at best when it comes to that. So when you translate that onto the field, this is a guy that's going to be the third or fourth guy getting off the snap, rounding the edge very modestly. And in the league where you're dealing with Cam Newtons and the Russell Wilsons and the Patrick Mahomes, you need a guy that can get back there fairly quickly. And yeah. You don't necessarily check that box. So right now, if I'm sitting in the first round, I think Chason is at top of the draft board for him. I think Evanes is still in play. I will also keep an eye on Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina defensive tackle. Not necessarily a great need for him, but man, putting him next to Grady Jarrett, you're talking about anterior pressure. They're going to get it all day long. With those yeah. Two. Um, it's but- interesting because in most of the mocks that I've seen, uh, you know, some of the Falcons news updates that I've done, it's, it seemed like Evanes is the most common name. Uh, I would say 60% of the box are picking him for the Falcons. Uh, Chase on, I think is uh, picked up a lot of steam recently. It seems like he's getting uh, more and more love in that mid first round range, even though I know there's a lot of criticism about his actual college productivity. I'll ask you about that in a second. Um, But the, the one name that Dan Kadar at SB nation has twice mocked to the Falcons was Kinlaw. He, and uh, I found it really intriguing. It's obviously not the position everyone's thinking. Everyone's thinking defensive end and maybe even more of a traditional defensive end, you know, someone that's like a 275 to 290 range, someone that can really uh, defend the run, anchor, maybe slide inside, uh, you know, mm-hmm. in, in third down sets, uh, mm-hmm. which is I think why Epinesa has been really high on the the, uh, the draft boards for the Falcons for uh, from a mock standpoint. But Kinlaw seemed really interesting to me, like you said. Pairing him up with Grady in the middle uh, seems like a wrecking ball. And, you know, thinking about some of these mobile quarterbacks, a lot of times it it feels like getting interior pressure may be sometimes the best way to win with them. So what are your thoughts on going with a defensive tackle in the first round as opposed to, you know, the, the edge rusher that everyone's sort of expecting? Well, again, luckily for the Falcons, they're in a draft where they need a pass rusher, and that's arguably the best position in the entire draft. So if they don't get one in the first round, which I'm hoping that they do, but if they don't get one, it's not the end of the world. So getting a guy like Kinlaw can help possibly that second rounder who's sitting there um, and, and, you know, develop later on down the line. Mm -hmm. And Kinlaw is a different specimen. He's 6'5", 324. He's played zero tech, one tech, three tech. He's played a little bit of strong side defensive end in the three, four scheme. Hmm. This guy is, I hate, I'm not saying I don't hate the term, but it gets overused, but he's a freak. Okay. You don't see guys like him. And this guy, he's been compared a lot to Chris Jones from Kansas city. And I see it. Um, and I, and I just like the idea, like you said, man, that interior pressure, it's not always about having speed off the edge. Sometimes you ask any quarterback in the league, they hate having guys in their lap. They right. hate having guys in their face. And that is the one thing that Grady Jarrett and, Jarrett and Javon Kinlaw can do. Not only that, if Dan Quinn wants to get a little creative and blitz off those two defensive tackles that are getting a ton of focus from the offensive lineman, you can't tell me Deion Jones is not going to reap that benefit as well. Oh, yeah, great point. Exactly. So, so Kinlaw is, to me, if Kinlaw is the first rounder right there at 16, it's a win. It's a huge win. Yeah, yeah, I think – uh, I've only seen his name a couple times in these mocks, but the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? If if you've got the opportunity to get 
a player like that, you know, a, a potential physical freak uh, who could be a consistent disruptor up the middle. Uh, mm-hmm. It feels like, you know, that's, that's still helping the pass rush. It may not be right. in the way that fans are envisioning uh, coming off the edge, you know, someone, uh, you know, like a Von Miller type or, uh, you know, what we were hoping Vic Beasley would be, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember when Drew Brees was in his greatest seasons and it was when he had two all pro guards. It wasn't, he didn't have all pro tackles. He had two all pro guards mm-hmm. and a, a stout center. And I think that's because those quarterbacks, like you said, the worst thing in the world. And we've seen it with Matt Ryan when the guard play has been bad. It doesn't matter how good Jake Matthews was when those guards let pressure get to Ryan, it's almost impossible to overcome. So I, I really like that idea. I mean, Go to the go to the Falcons road road win against the Saints mm-hmm. um, during the season, and where did that pressure come from? That pressure came from up the middle, up the middle, where yeah. Breeze wasn't able to step into the pocket. Go to their home playoff loss against the Vikings. What did the Vikings say after the game? What they team fought. did they study to get interior pressure against the Saints? They looked at the Falcons road uh, road upset. Yep. So they knew the secret coming into that game is to intact the interior and make Drew Brees be mobile, which he's not at this point in his career. Yep. So yep. It works. Yeah. So uh, interesting uh, potential there in the first round. And um, so let's, let's shift our attention now to uh, the AJ Epinesa. Cause I think, you know, again, this is a player that many, of these mock drafts have been saying, you know, makes a ton of sense for the Falcons. Obviously, you know, we heard about the 40 time. I I agree with you. I think the 10 yard split is a more important number for pass rushers. Um, The three cone time was not great. You know, some of the other measurables came out better than average, but not necessarily, you know, dominant. Uh, But he's a guy that has good tape, good college tape. You know, he's, he's got long arms. He's, you know, kind of that, uh, you know, bigger bodied defensive end. Uh, so what is your take on him when you think about the tape that you've seen of his play in college versus what you saw at the combine? Thankfully for Epinesa, he has good tape because if he didn't, he will probably be a day three guy right now. Wow. Because of what happened at the combine. I also didn't, they had a, they had a new drill called the, the loop drill where you have to run the loop and pick up the object and drop it. I didn't like the way he turned the corner in that. He stumbled a few times in that. He looked a little sloppy doing that drill. I, I didn't like it. But if you throw on the tape, this guy's throwing offensive tackles around. Yeah. He's, he's you look at his production the past two seasons at Iowa. He's had 30 and a half tackles for loss. And he had 21, he had 22 sacks the past two seasons at Iowa. So he has production. He has the tape. You, you again, you throw on the tape. He's, he's a very strong defensive end. He gets in the backfield pretty much whenever he wants. This past season, he saw a tremendous amount of double teams. So if you look at his early season tape, you're not going to like what you see because he's getting double and triple teamed a lot. Yeah. Um, but the kid still got it done. Um, he's not going to wow you with athleticism. That's that's just his thing. Um, but he's going to he's going to he's going to be in the backfield when he needs to be. And um, I keep comparing him to Cam Jordan. I think that's a good comparison for him. Ah. You know, Cam Jordan wasn't the greatest athlete coming out of California. He still isn't the greatest athlete when it comes to being a pass rusher. But you, you honestly, I don't care if he has the Saints uniform on. The guy is pretty damn good. Yeah, he's a baller. 
Yeah, he is. Um, and I think Epinesa can be in that same range. And that's why I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fully throw Epinesa out of the first round conversation. I will say this though, if they were to take him at 16, please have a good backup plan. <laughs> uh, and on that note, um, so we, we've talked about Chase Song, we've talked about Epinesa, some of the other first round guys. Day two, yep. Falcons have two second round picks thanks to the uh, Mohamed Sanu trade uh, to the Patriots, and which is I, I'm still stunned by that. I don't know about you. <laughs> it was a heist. It was a straight up ski mask. <laughs> Give me everything you got. Hype, man. Oh, I got the Dimitrov on now. Uh, yeah, that's that earns him some grace uh, with Falcons fans. Um, so they've got three picks on day two, uh, two in the second round, one on the third round. So you've done several mock drafts, and I know you, you're paying attention to a lot of this. So what are some of the positions and maybe some of the players that you think the Falcons should target with those three picks in the second and third rounds? I, I DW, I want them to take an interior offensive lineman in round two. I really, really do. This is another good draft for them to restock that position. Yep. Based on the fact that they have two high-priced veterans along with a guy like Matt Gono, I honestly think they're serious about having that three-man competition there and not bringing in any competition that can beat out all three of them. Because in actuality, a few of these guys in this draft can come in and can start over all three of those guys. Wow. Um, so yeah, I want them to take a Cesar Ruiz out of Michigan or a Matt Hennessy out of Temple, but I honestly don't think it's going to happen. So I think, I think the focus early on in the draft is really going to be on defense. Um, so I, I, I think defensive line is the way to go in round one. I think they attack the defensive line again in round two. Again, this is a pretty good draft when it comes to them needing guys on the front four. Um, and I also think that they stock up on the corner. Um, mm. Desmond Trufant is entering free, is going to enter free agency in 2021. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't feel quite confident that he's going to be back in 2021, even though he had a pretty yeah. good season this past year and he's been a solid veteran overall. I think the team may eventually move on. So yeah, I think he'll be 30 that year as well. So it's time to it's time to restock the cupboard a little bit, and and I think this is again, I said edge rusher was the best position, cornerback may be the second best position in this draft, or if yeah. not second, maybe third. This is a really really good cornerback class. This is also a really good cornerback class that has long athletic corners that can play cover three, which is music to Dan Quinn's ears. Hmm. Um, so I will keep an eye out right there in the second round. One of those, I mean, they have the wicker room. They have two second round picks. Yep. Um, round three, I think you can start talking about a running back. Okay. Um, there are a few guys that come to mind. Uh, Cam Akers is probably one of the talked about day two guys, but I'll be quite honest with you. I think he's a top 40, top 45 pick. I think he'll be gone before round three even hits. Um, so a guy like, Eno Benjamin out of Arizona state, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire out of LSU, um, Michael P Ryan for round four, if they wanted to wait until then, um, there's one name and you probably saw, you, you probably saw his numbers at the combine and, and I'm just, I'm kind of in a fantasy mode here. <laughs> 
AJ Dillon out of Boston College. Ah. Let's just say hypothetically they wanted to. Okay. That is a battering ram. Okay. You saw what Derrick Henry did. Okay. This is Derrick Henry with 4-4 speed. Mm. Derrick Henry, mm. a 39-inch vertical, 38-inch vertical. This is Derrick Henry with um, an 11-foot broad jump. Like, this is... A freak. Yes. This, <laughs> this <laughs> We're using guy, the word again. This guy is not... He's not human. Like, something is wrong with him. <laughs> <laughs> so, if they wanted to add that element to this offense... I would love it. I mean, imagine imagine having that DW two, in fourth quarter, mm. there's touchdowns, and it's time to give the ball to AJ Dillon in the fourth quarter. It's time mm. to give him twelve or fourteen carries. It's time to punish some people. It's time to punish them. Let's. I I I, I can't discredit it. I'm not going to throw it out the window. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. Honestly, um, does he fit the scheme? Yeah, they can adjust a little bit. But we're also talking about Dirk Cutter here. But that's a different show. Yeah, well, just one more year, Dirk Cutter. Oh God! <laughs> that's oh, a that's a different podcast. We're not touching that right now, Eric. <laughs> alcohol in front of me right now. So, <laughs> uh, you and I are on the same page there, man. Um, so, all right, day day three. Yep. This is often where teams make their money. You know, mm-hmm. the Falcons over the years have found some great players in fourth through seventh round. Grady Jarrett. Yep, fifth round player. Um, nope. Yep, uh, you especially the last few draft classes, we've gotten you know quite a few guys in this range. So, who are one or two prospects, any position that you would like to see the Falcons go in on as a developmental day three prospect that you think could turn out to be a baller in the long term? Um, there are two linebackers that are raw as fish out of the water, man. <laughs> they need some time. But man, do they circle the wagon when it comes to being just those athletic freaks that can run and can move and can tackle and can hit. Davion Taylor out of Colorado, mm-hmm. um, who just did his pro day, I believe it was yesterday or the day before. And I think he ran, I think he ran a four, four, three. You're talking about a guy that's Ooh. six, four, two thirty, four, four, three. I'm, I'm telling you, he started playing ball in, like, his senior year in high school. This kid still doesn't know football, okay? Wow. He still put the pads on properly, to be honest with you. Like, that's how raw he is. He's going to need a couple of years. But, my goodness, he brings a lot more to the table than what Duke Riley did. You know? <laughs> we're not even going to – that's another That's another show. <laughs> show. Duke Riley has his own show as well. But this, he brings – he brings that to the table, and it's, there's so much potential there with him. I would like if they just wanted to get a guy that can that can be their special teams ace for a year or two and then learn the ropes, he is perfect, DW. He is perfect. Mm. Cam Brown out of Penn State is another guy. Cam Brown is probably the longest linebacker I've ever seen in my life. Like this is – well, I'll take that back. Isaiah Simmons probably fits that move right now. But this guy is diet Isaiah Simmons, okay? He's wow. 6'5", 235. He ran a 4'4 at the combine. He has length for days. I mean, he probably can stand at the middle linebacker position and tap Grady Jarrett on the back. <laughs> um, 
like that's how long he is. He's just, he's a spider, dude. And again, he's raw as ever. He may have one, maybe two good years of production at Penn State, um, but he played around a lot of talent at Penn State, and he didn't even start a ton of games, I believe, while at Penn State. But he's that raw that raw piece of clay that I think can be. Uh, uh, he can he can fit that Kamal Ishmael role perfectly. Nice. Like, give him some time. And, you know, he may – both of those two guys may be developmental guys on day three that can really upgrade that linebacker position. Yeah, and I, it's easy to forget the linebacker position for the Falcons, but we're about to let Devondre Campbell walk. And most people expect him to get a, a decent deal elsewhere that the Falcons will probably not match, which leaves the Falcons with um, Deion Jones and Foyer Lucon. And – and I love Foyer, you know, like he's, he's really cut. He's, he's another one of those day three picks that has, I think, turned out really well, mm-hmm. um, but they're lacking some depth at linebacker. So I really like your thinking here. It sounds like two guys that, again, that athletic mold, but uh, if, if anything, we've seen that the Falcons have had some success with these athletic linebackers and bringing them in and getting them to be productive in a relatively short period of time. And we don't, we don't necessarily need starters at this point. We right. just need guys that can come in, kind of, like I said, learn the ropes a year or two. You know, Jeff Ulbrich is going to have a lot more hands-on when it comes yep. to the defense this year. And, and again, if you give them a, a raw piece of clay, like a Taylor or a Cam Brown, you know, I, I think he can, he can be able to definitely mold something in the play there. So, yeah, so we don't need starters. They just need guys. They're probably going to have to get two linebackers this offseason. One in the draft and one in free agency. Yeah. I, I will roll my dice on that. Like, they will probably walk away with two linebackers before the yeah. season. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. They're going to have to. Yeah. There's two guys. Exactly. <laughs> two guys. Uh, unless they bring back Jermaine Grace, which uh, is entirely possible, uh, even though they cut him, uh, I think, mid, mid-year last year. But, uh, yeah, it, it – Fans liked him. I thought he he did fairly well, but uh, how did he do? Did he? I think he. I think he kicked Dan Quinn's dog by accident or something. Man. <laughs> you think that's what it was? Personally, I think he might have drunk the last beer that Dan Quinn <laughs> after the game. He didn't have a beer, and he was like, "Well, what the hell, Jermaine?" And you know, they say, "No, he was gone." Like I said, exactly. Um, yeah, poor guy. Uh, all right. To wrap up this podcast, last question, um, and I asked uh, Kevin this in the first half. You, Eric, are the GM of the Falcons. It's the first round. Uh, blank slate. Who is the player you're taking at number 16? Jeez. And this is this is pretty much based on who I truly think is going to be there. Like, Yeah, right? yeah. Obviously, we're, we're expecting Chase Young is gone. Uh, Isaiah Simmons is out of the race. Etc. Um. Mm, mm. My heart wants to say Jason simply mm-hmm. because, again, they need a guy like him. I'm tired of Vic Beasley comparisons. This guy is not Vic Beasley. Okay. Right. Yeah, he didn't have a ton of production, but he also tore his ACM in 2018. What the hell are you expecting to do? Right. Um, so. My heart says him. My brain honestly says Ken Law. Wow. Okay. It honestly says Ken Law. And I love Epinesa, and I think Epinesa is going to be a solid pro. 
But again, we we talk about it all. We we talked about it the past few years. When it comes to the combine, Dan Quinn and Dimitrov look. They look at what when it comes to defenders. They look at ten yard splits. They fall in love with a guy with a great three cone. Three cone. Yep. <laughs> he didn't hit either one of them. So, I, I mean. I think they kind of rolled the dice a little bit with potential. Now, here's the funny thing about it. They're in a situation right now, DW, where they probably need, like, NFL-ready guys, like, right now. Like, right. they need guys that are ready to get off the bus and hit somebody right now. Yep. But it didn't help when the NFL-ready guy that they wanted looked a little sloppy at the combine. It didn't help. I'm, I'm pretty sure – yeah, I, I, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure Dan Quinn rubbed his shiny head a little <laughs> – he was like damn it AJ come on man I wanted you to blossom now you look bad but honestly yeah Chase on my heart says Chase on but my mind says Kinlaw just just based on potential alone and what Kinlaw can do to that defensive line very interesting cannot wait to see how this plays out and obviously is it going to get here we'll see Uh, yeah, there's a lot up in the air at this point. Um, we're assuming we'll be having an NFL draft in April, but who knows? Um, somebody, somebody on Twitter today said that you know if they if they modify the draft, it's going to go back to the old school draft that we saw in the '80s, where it was like in the room and there was no cameras and it was just <sighs> that was boring. Okay, I, yeah, I don't want that. Okay, I don't want to see. ESPN bottom line to see who the hell got drafted. I don't, I want to watch it. Yep. That's part of the fun these days. It is. It is. Yes, sir. Well, uh, Eric, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. We will be having you back on soon yes, for Crossfire to Crossfire. defend that championship belt that you, uh, don't let me go up against Gina, please. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. We're going to have to roll some dice, see who, who, who you go up against. Um, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you and, and what you've got going on? You can find me on Twitter at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Um, I have right now, my latest mock draft is out as well as scouting report today. I am working on Javon Kinlaw scouting report right now, uh, finishing that up. Um, but yeah, as I stated, um, the my latest mock draft is out, so take a look at that. I'll probably put one more together before the draft gets here, if it ever gets here. Um, but yeah, so check me out. Yep. Uh, and for myself, guys, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Follow our uh, Twitter account for the podcast at FalcoholicPod. And of course, check out all of our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Kevin Knight, who joined us in the first half, and Eric Robinson, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk with you next time.